Hi, I'm Tyra G, your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal listeners. Fearsome and generous, humble and honest, in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. You know, here we dig deep and we come up strong. We bravely walk into places that tradition tells us there's some things you just don't talk about. But not at this table, and no matter how hard judgment knocks, it can't come in. Beloved here, we live beyond the wreckage. Although many of your voices will speak light into darkness, there is no insignificant person around this table. Each week, we'll start right where we are. The required dress code is your authenticity, your inner awesome. And your belief that impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. I am so excited about how the show is progressing. We are celebrating our six-year proof that dreams can come true. I thank God for every remembrance of you, for the gifts of your ideas, your presence, and your encouragement. These motivations keep me going. I can't do this show without you. Thank you so much. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, on your TV, computer, or mobile device. And we are webcast worldwide on the Internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Now, should you miss us, no worries. You can catch our archived podcast where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Search for Frankly Speaking with Tyra G Podcast, and we'll meet you there. And if you feel like connecting with me offline, it's easy. Just email me at tyra at tyragarlington.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme song and naming it, I'm Listening. For six years, Frankly Speaking with Tyra G has been telling stories to touch the mind, the heart, and the spirit. They've been multicultural, intergenerational, educational, and inspirational. Frankly Speaking stories are intentionally thematic to keep our content fresh fresh and relevant. And they've been told by you, my cohorts, my listeners. Thank you so much. Lately... The setting for our stories has been a season of uncertainty, unrest, unnatural disasters, and unnecessary violence and death. We have all been touched by a fresh sense of fragility in ourselves and in our social systems. As a result, this has become a time of testing, a time to look hard and recognize that we are doing better than we think we are. This is a time to elevate voices of hope. This is a time to reimagine what is essential. This is a time to emphasize that everyone not only has a story, but everyone is a story. More importantly, this is a time to be encouraged. Consider what you've been doing to offer encouragement, share a new skill, elevate hope, 
to preach worthiness to someone who perhaps does not know that they're amazing just as they are? Have you helped someone fragile to know that they are a journey, not a destination, a process, not an event, to consider that they are continually moving and growing and becoming? Have you provided comfort to someone stuck between their no longer and their not yet, reassuring them that as long as they breathe, the end of their story has not been written? Author and coach Iana Vansant offers some thoughts about encouraging in her 2000 book, Until Today. And I quote, What happens when you have to be a light in the darkness? At night, the ocean can be a huge dark place. When riding the seas, you can never know for sure if the water will be calm or turbulent. You never know if you will drift off course or run aground. That is why they're lighthouses. When ships lose their way, they're guided by the lighthouse. When there's trouble or danger at sea, you can seek refuge by the, refuge by the lighthouse. During a storm, the lighthouse always guides ships safely to shore. Best of all, there's always someone in the lighthouse waiting. Be that someone. Be a lighthouse. Let your life be shining, a shining symbol for others. Let everything you do be of service to someone. Stand tall in the knowledge of who you are. Stand proudly during the tough times. Be aware that who you are and what you must offer can be a beacon to some lost soul. Be a lighthouse keeper. Be on the lookout for lost souls. Be alert to those who may be in need and have nowhere to go and no way to get there. Be a lighthouse to a child. Guide a child. Protect a child. You don't have to say much. Just let the child know that you'll be there if the need arises. Be a lighthouse to an elder, someone who's traveled the sea of life, but now needs a bit of warmth and comfort, perhaps a cup of tea and some interesting conversation. Be a lighthouse to a young man or woman who has lost their footing or maybe losing their direction in life. Remember, no matter what condition a wind-blown sailor reaches the White House in, lighthouse in, the keeper is always welcoming. The keeper always has something on hand or knows what to do to get you up sailing again, end quote. We initiated, frankly speaking, with Tyra G with a get acquainted theme that featured local, national, and international phenomenal guests who sat around our table. We called it, This Is Us. We shared hopes, dreams, Battles, heroes, sheroes, fears, anxieties. The theme was so successful that it felt like a do-over. And so in the Frankly Speaking Humans Library, we've added this theme, This Is Us, The Next Chapter. Tonight, we add another story to the theme, This Is Us, Next Chapter. I want to welcome to the Frankly Speaking table, Dana Safe, Founder, Executive Director, and Principal Designated School Director of, listen to this, the International Language Academy of Washington, D.C. 
which I see as a special type of lighthouse that is critical to the success of many lives. I think you're going to listen and learn and be inspired. Dana will introduce herself, unpack that long title, and describe how her vision has become a reality and so much more. So Dana, the mic is yours. Um, thank you, Tyra, for this uh, very lovely introduction. Um, and yes, my name is Dana Faith. Um, I'm the founder and executive director of the International Language Academy, um, a school, a post-secondary school located in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. Um, I'm a Palestinian American. I moved to the U.S. 21 years ago, um, and I call Virginia home. I lived in four different countries. Um, and my life took a few interesting turns, uh, which led me to where I am now. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in biology, but I worked in journalism and radio broadcast for eight years uh, before switching careers to academia. Um, I am also um, certified to teach English for speakers of other languages and hold a master's degree from uh, Georgetown uh, McDonough's in business um, my master's is in leadership um, but what makes me me um, is my family uh, I'm also a wife and a mother of five and I do what I do because of them you know what I took a breath for our audience I need you to know I met I met Dana the first time four years ago and we were laughing before we started the show I said Dana how long has it taken us to do this she said four years you know, all this time, I don't know why I didn't, I did not see you as, I saw you as a wife and perhaps a mother of one or two. Did you say the, the number five? I did. Okay. Well, we're going to have to spend some time on that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is my fun fact for the day, I guess. <laughs> you know, I was asking someone one time, uh, how do they balance work and life? And they they said something to me that I have cherished and found to be reality. You don't. There is no balance. You move through situations. You solve problems. You give love. You do all of these different things. But it's no, it doesn't look like the legal uh, symbol about balance, uh, equal justice or unequal justice, actually. So um, as we talk about... Um, the background, which is wonderful, by the way, and uh, thank you for that, and welcome. Uh, I can imagine your backdrop is very difficult right now based on the world stage, and mm -hmm. uh, I want to recognize that and uh, continue to pray for a world that figures out what peace really is. Mm -hmm. um, in the meantime, international... Language Academy. Talk about mm -hmm. that. Where did that come from? I mean, you were biology, uh, yeah. broadcast, so, all of these things that you've done, and now you are this. You are here. You are her. So, um, yeah, my life took a few interesting turns, as I said in the introduction. I graduated um, from Amman, Jordan. Um, I had a degree in biology. And I moved to the U.S. with the intention of pursuing my education in the medical field. 
Um, But there were like a few months gaps until I was supposed to start my studies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was offered a job um, in radio broadcast. They were hiring um, freshly graduate people who have background and like good language skills. Um, And I applied, I got selected and... The rest is history for the following eight years. Um, I, in, I always enjoyed uh, journalism and news and media. That was something I worked uh, with. Like, it was more of a hobby uh, for me growing up. I was always involved with my um, uh, school um, radio um, or uh, publications. It's something that I've always had um, as part of my identity. So when the opportunity came, I jumped on it and... I uh, contemplated for a while that uh, maybe this is something that I would do as a career. And instead of pursuing my um, graduate degrees in a medical um, uh, major or or in the medical field, maybe I'll go to politics or journalism or media. Uh, But that did not last too long. Eight years in, I was consumed uh, (laughs) by the uh, uh, gravity of the news around us, by the... uh, the disasters that mm-hmm. you know if it's if it's not bad news it's not worth the news if, if they say that um so i was it, it started to impact me um and impact me personally impact my my health and i i decided to take a step back mm-hmm. and that's when i um i was like as much as i love this i'm not able to let it consume me because the negativity was just draining me and I took a step back I, um, and I made the switch. I, I jumped from journalism, politics, news um, into academia. Now, Dana, let me, let me clarify for me and perhaps for some of our listeners. What you're saying, you had a beautiful skill set and you had a job opportunity, but you were the vessel to deliver the negativity that, changed, that impacted you. Am I right? Right. Okay. Right. Okay. I wanted yep. to make sure I understood that. Okay, and it, I yeah, understand. It was during some wars, yeah, it was during wars, and um, like we reported on killings and injuries and uh, yes. bombing, and so it was um, too much negativity, and I wasn't able to separate. I did not have the skill uh, to separate that from my life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's um, you you need to be able to balance that, and mm-hmm. I was not able to do so. So I. I I made a decision back then, and uh, like I'm switching careers, I can't. And I started from uh, square one. And how was that for you? You know, a lot of people that list that are listening are at a point. Remember, I said stuck between they're no longer not yet mm-hmm. stuck mm-hmm. in that decision point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things you're comfortable with or uncomfortable with, but to a new place that you may be dreaming of or that you believe could be better. What was that like in your decision-making process? You, you just shut down. Then what did you do to get to where you are? Um, it was very scary, I'm not going to lie, and it was very scary from different aspects. Um, I knew it was the right decision for me, mm-hmm. um, but... But for those around me, they were very doubtful of the um, um, of if if I if I thought that decision through. 
um, every, like all they saw was going from a career that I was advancing and I had a stable job with benefits mm-hmm. and I left all of that to something that wasn't even like did not really have any future in their minds um, in their minds mm-hmm. uh, they did not understand my inner happiness was worth more than those superficial advantages if you would say um i really took pleasure in the very like in the simplest things like um going to work when the sun is out mm-hmm. like that was I, I i didn't know that feeling for the time i worked in in journalism and and radio broadcast or taking an hour lunch break mm-hmm. or leaving my work behind the minute i step outside the office not being connected all the time I um that balance I needed that balance at that time in my life and um that step back allowed me to explore um what options we have um or what options I as a person have mm-hmm. um and that's when um I realized there is a need uh for um for an for a, for a, um an institution that teaches English as a second language mm-hmm. and does it with um, ethical standards mm-hmm. with, um, with, that focuses on quality of education, that focuses on the student as an individual, not as a number or a customer. Okay, now I want to, there's something yeah. you said that I consider priceless, and that was uh, people watching you saying, mm-hmm. you're walking away from, I'll just put it in a basket of security into something or into the unknown and what i loved you said but i realized my inner peace Mm -hmm. my inner Mm -hmm. joy was more important than that Mm -hmm. as you started or began to make your decision and in that time you obviously surveyed some number of thoughts that brought you to Mm -hmm. establishing the academy what were the drivers Mm -hmm. uh that made you come to the final decision to wind up uh, directing, creating, found, found, find, founding. Mm-hmm. I can't talk. I need to go to your academy. Founding <laughs> the academy. Yeah. What kinds? Of, what was your thought process? Okay, that's going to be uh, like I don't want it to sound like a cliche, but I would be um, uh, truthful and say my husband for you. He was the um, pushing factor. Mm-hmm. I'm not a risk taker. Um, although I make big decisions, I usually am not a risk taker. Okay. Um, going into un- the unknown um, really scares me. And for me, establishing the academy was the unknown. Um, I really doubted my ability to be able to do so. I know, I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I believed in the mission because I worked with students and I saw their struggle and I saw how... Um, they're not able to reach their potential because of this or because of that. So I knew that I was able to provide something they are not able to find elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But I also doubted my ability to do so. You know, imposter syndrome? Yes. I was like, I'm, I'm not, I've, I don't have a degree in education. I'm not an educator. I will always feel less than those that surround me because maybe I'm not as qualified as everyone else. And I remember, um, so actually my husband was my biggest supporter. Um, he said, you, if anyone else can do it, it's, it's you. You're, um, 
And um, I actually remember going to the, um, we're, we're very lucky to have the accrediting body. The, the, it is, I believe, the only accrediting body for uh, language schools, um, especially English language schools in the U.S. And I want to say the word as well. It's an international organization, but it's located here in Alexandria, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, we went and we met with them and we said, we want to found a school. Give us your standards. What is like? What are the industry's best practices? We want to found a school um, that is good from the get go, um, and they actually welcomed the idea. They were very excited for that. They they were excited that um, instead of starting things and then going to accreditation a few years later and fixing mistakes, we were trying to to do the reverse um, uh, or the opposite with building a school. With the with the with the right foundation, um, I remember um, part of that process was going to an accreditation workshop, and I remember it being in Dallas, Texas. Um, I remember um, leaving during break. We had the first accreditation workshop, mm-hmm. and I got really overwhelmed and I got really nervous. And I remember calling my husband and say, "I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't think I can do this." And he was like, "Yes, you you can, and you will." Um, just keep pushing through and you will get through it. I love that. I remember, I remember that phone call. I remember, uh, I, I remember being overwhelmed. I remember being um, young and scared and uh, like saying, oh my God, what, what if I'm, what if I fail? Mm-hmm. You know, what if I fail? Uh, but yeah, now um, that's, uh, that was in 2013. So 10 years later. Um, yeah, we're here now. And you very much are there. I, I, there, there are things yeah. I did not know about your story, and I'm sitting here thinking, when I left corporate America to start a private school, and mm-hmm. uh, same process, sitting with the accreditation area uh, 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 agency, mm-hmm. looking at best practices, accreditation, finding at the university level people to uh, work with me in building curriculum, and I, I know what that's like. I know what it's like. Mm-hmm. I know what it feels like. But then, when you're driven by giving something to a body of people who don't have it but need it to survive, mm-hmm. that that's like added fuel to mm-hmm. that. Plus your husband, <laughs> bless your <laughs> husband, <laughs> bless him. Uh, I think it's wonderful when partners are there in your corner. Uh, so um, I hope he listens to this and, and knows we gave him a shout out. Uh, yeah. So all right, now you you've you've got your you've got your structure. You know what mm-hmm. you must do to be accredited. Where are you going to get mm-hmm. your students? Um, very good question, and that is actually the question. <laughs> that is the question until now. So we started really small. Um, when when we got the accreditation or when we started the accreditation uh, process, we barely had um, three classes with a few students here and there, um, and we had to be in operation for a year before getting started with accreditation. Right, um, right. To, build, to build, you know, classrooms, to build the curriculum, to test the curriculum, you are um, getting accredited. Mm-hmm. Um, so word of mouth, um, we went to community centers, we went to churches, we went to mosques, we went to synagogues, we went everywhere, everywhere. Um, 
we spread the word. We said we have scholarships, we have discounts, just come and learn English. And um, we started growing from there. Um, in the community, um, we spread the word, uh, people starting telling each other. Mm-hmm. And then things got a little easier after being accredited. Um, we got the accreditation and then we applied for um, to be CVIS certified, which enables us to sponsor international students. Mm-hmm. So that took um, a few months as well. I would say the big jump for Isla was um, in the beginning of 2000, like end of 2014 to 2015. That's when we got our accreditation. That's mm-hmm. when we got our CVIS certification. Mm-hmm. And we, we, I, I remember our first cohort of students was around 20 students and I was so overwhelmed with joy. <laughs> I, I, I remember like going, um, when we first started, I would go past by the classrooms, the empty classrooms, yes, and pray pray to God that um, we are successful one day and able to host students in those classrooms. So the first fifteen um, students that joined Isla was like after that jump, when um, after the accreditation, after the certification, mm-hmm. when the real real um, operation at Isla started, and um, um, we. Uh, we kept building um, one thing after the other from there. Let me ask you this. Um, we're talking about an international learning academy. How does that play into the total education of the student? Mm-hmm. Are they also in another school and they come to you for English as a second language? How does that work? Or, or do they get the entire uh, content curricula oh. from ILA? Okay, so our school it's um, it, our school is designated for post secondary education. Okay. So our students have already completed either their high school, okay, uh huh, or they have completed their undergraduate studies, or sometimes even their graduate studies. So this is um, okay. This is good. Yes. Yes. So most of the so it really depends, and um, that is part of our growth journey as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when we first started, our focus was on um, students pursuing their education in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want like students who wanted to uh, go to uh, American universities. Mm-hmm. A, a requirement for international students is um, completing proficiency test, English proficiency test. Okay. As like TESOL, uh, I'm sorry, TOEFL, IELTS, um, those are um, some examples of the proficiency tests that international students have to go through. And, um, you know, with um, tests, tests, not everyone is a good test taker. And with those testing come anxiety. Um, and not everyone is comfortable going through these tests. So one of the things we, we worked on um, right after uh, the accreditation was done is building our name mm-hmm. and then seeking partnerships with universities um, to support our students with their academic journey. Um, so, and, um, so now we have um, agreements with multiple universities um, in our area mm-hmm. um, that waive the English proficiency for our students. Um, we have uh, partnerships with Marymount University, um, Catholic University, um, into George Mason, and we are also the bridge program for the University of Mary Washington. Good. Um, so, yeah, so those students, um, they finish our program, they get the certificate of completion if they finish it successfully, of course, 
and the universities waive the English um, uh, English proficiency requirements so they, without testing. So your certificate, your completion certificate, mm-hmm. stands in mm-hmm. for what would normally mm-hmm. be an English proficiency exam at the universities. Absolutely, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now yep. that that is a coup right there, which speaks volumes mm-hmm. volumes to. Uh, the quality of what you've created. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know what I'd like to do now, because um, I'm imagining people listening going, okay, all right, so some people need help with English. Mm -hmm. I get that. Okay, so Dana has a place where they can come, where they can apply Mm -hmm. and come, and they get Mm -hmm. English proficiency, and I want you to talk about what else they get from the academy okay. as I have a sensation it's not just strict classroom uh, support yep. am I right absolutely and uh, why is that because uh, this is um, that was another goal so it's building steps or building blocks um, we first wanted to get the, the academy accredited mm-hmm. then we wanted to get it certified and then we wanted to get students and then we built our partnerships with universities but that was not enough. We were helping the international market, the international students' market, mm-hmm. and those who are pursuing their education. Um, but we also believe in the importance of language uh, to empower local communities. Um, and that was uh, the other piece of the puzzle, if you want to say. We wanted to work on that. We wanted to empower our local community here because there is a need. Um, and you can sense the need for that with the wave of um, uh, refugees or asylum seekers that come to our area uh, whenever there is um, an, unevent, um, an eventful event outside uh, the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. and you have people migrate here or move to the U.S. to get their life started all over again. So with that, we established the Workforce uh, English program. Okay. And um, with that, the first step to get that started is with being a WIOA approved provider, which means the WIOA is um, is a Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. Yes. Um, that was signed into a law um, in uh, 2014. Yes. So ILA is a WIOA approved provider. That means that our training programs can be funded for eligible individuals through their like through the counties or through the local government. Okay. Um, um, yeah. I'm just thinking because uh, for a while I worked with workforce development at Northern Virginia Community College. You know, we had a huge ESL yeah. program. But what I yeah. want what I want you to, to emphasize for people to understand mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. when you're talking about uh, workforce English program, what you're also mm-hmm. doing is helping people learn how to feed themselves because you've got yes. the language incorporated mm-hmm. in what the skills they Absolutely. need to work at a, a job, correct? Absolutely. Um, it is designated to enhance their workforce skills because we deal, and you, you, you might know that as well if you worked with, um, with similar training centers, is that when you are working um, to advance or enhance a person's workforce skills, yes. um, you, are, you might be dealing with uh, people with 
high educational degree from their countries. Right. But they need the language skills to be able to um, to immerse in the uh, U.S. market and yes. the workforce in the U.S. So that is exactly what we do. Okay, we now do I want training you to... For training. I yeah. want you to talk about, because I, I know this exists, okay? So mm-hmm. they got the language, or they're getting the language, and you've wrapped them in some other skill sets. What are the mm-hmm. barriers to job, to getting jobs once they have completed your program? I would say how people are working on their skill set mm-hmm. because we, we can teach the language. We can teach you the components of the language. We can teach you how to communicate, but um, you would need to work on that at the same time mm-hmm. in order to advance your skill set and be also competitor, competitive in a market full of other applicants. So one of the things we do is we give training um, like on interview skills training. Okay. Um, we give resume uh, writing training. We also, um, for example, I hosted a few uh, LinkedIn workshops training um, that are um, open to the community. They're uh, free of charge. Is how to um, upskill your um, upskill your. Um, I don't want to say your resume, but. Put your skills in a way that are adaptable to the jobs you are looking for. Yes. And knowing how to um, work with what you have. Um, This is one. And the other, I would say the other barrier, like the first one, I would say professional development and for um, the individual to work on their skill set. I would say the other barrier is reaching out to the employers. That's what I want you to get to, yes. Yeah, yeah knowing how to apply. And that's why ILA participates in different um, job fairs or in different job uh, opportunity um, avenues, like with uh, Loudoun County, Fairfax County, mm-hmm. Prince George's County in Maryland. Whenever there's a fair or there's an opportunity for us to participate, we do that because we want to connect our students to the outside market. Yes. Absolutely. And I want now for us to put on the hat of the student. In fact, mm-hmm. let's let's just do a little case study. All right. Let's start. You as director of ILA, you see where there may be an opportunity uh, mm-hmm. to get a body of students or maybe even one student, one student coming in into your community mm-hmm. that needs your help. How would you mm-hmm. take us through that process so we feel like we could walk through your door and know what to expect? Sure. So the first thing would we do, um, and this is a personal, um, this is a personal belief of mine. Um, education cannot be standardized for everyone the same way. We need yeah. to know each person's goals. Um, in order to help them achieve those goals or be successful with their journey at ILA. And that's what makes us different than other um, places, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first step would be a learning profile. Okay. Um, we, we want to know the goals of our students. Why do you want to learn English? Where do you think your strengths are with the language? Mm-hmm. What are your weaknesses? 
where what where do you describe yourself what level do you describe yourself and that would be the first step into this whole process knowing the learner um, knowing their goals and uh, seeing where they might be uh, when where might they might be needing help where they will and that will take us to the next step is getting through um, the placement test, getting them tested to make sure they are placed in the right level, and then supporting them with classes. Um, and that's why we also, another aspect of that, that our classes are all small, and we believe in, um, it's, it's not a one-time thing. If, if a student comes and says, uh, well, um, I'm taking classes, but I think my writing is still struggling. I need, I need help with that. Okay. No worries. Here is a writing class. Here is a workshop. So we believe in the importance of the con- of of um, the engagement of the learner, mm. uh, the outcome. We're very outcome oriented school. We're an outcome oriented team. So that what we focus on, um, and we have many layers of monitoring things. Um, our team does a great job with having keeping an eye out on pass-fail data, uh, students' performance, uh, feedback from classes, and we don't take those lightly. We take every feedback we get. We get every um, um, a failing. Stu- I, I don't want to say failing, but a struggling student into heart to see why they're struggling. Is there something that can um, can we do something to help? Would an extra class help, or is it? Um, a learning style? Do they need something else? So we we believe in uh, the indiv- individualized learning experience and we spend a lot of time working on that. I would say 60 to 70% of our day um, goes into uh, fixing and trying to solve issues or uh, overcome challenges that our students face. Now what I want to do I want to be a total listener to you because I think this is the core of uh, what I see ILA success, and that is Mm -hmm. knowing your learner and Mm -hmm. the interview process. I'm going to see if I can get it right. You're starting with their goals, and the learning Mm -hmm. profile is asking them what they want to learn and why they want to learn it. And Mm -hmm. then uh, their assess placement test. And then uh, supporting them with classes, which are currently small. Mm-hmm. And what I liked is students' ability to come to you with their own individual assessment saying, I need more of this or I'm not mm-hmm. doing well. Then mm-hmm. um, I love the fact, because I had my notes, I wanted to ask you, how do you measure success? And I love the fact that you said you were outcome-oriented. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Um, the um, the learning style, this is what most people mm-hmm. overlook when we think of educating online, this online training. Uh, so many different learning styles, communication uh, styles, problem-solving mm-hmm. styles. And I'm guessing if you have mm-hmm. an international component, you've got cultural uh, implications Absolutely. in this whole mm-hmm. process you're talking about, right? Right, of course. And um, Mm -hmm. I think what maybe it's the educator in me that's excited that you're focusing 
on the learner and that you do individualized mm-hmm. learning assessments. So um, what do your students say to you when the, you have them give mm-hmm. you feedback? What do they say to you about the experience, the ILA experience? How do they assess what's happened? And do they have mm-hmm. the ability to come back and mm-hmm. do remediation or additional additional classes? Mm-hmm. So, yes. Um, what do they say? Um, I welcome all type of feedback. Um, uh-huh. I welcome the good and bad because um, there is we 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 seek perfection, but we are not there. We want to be the best um, that we could, and we are not able to do that without the feedback of the students mm-hmm. on how to improve and how to be um, better versions of ourselves and better versions of Ida. I would say, um, in regards to students coming back, um, word of mouth is still our first uh, marketing tool. Okay. By um, students coming back to us, mm-hmm. students referring their family back to us, students referring their um, friends. Um, that's what, that's, that is, um, that, that, that word of mouth, the quality of education we are providing is really um, our number, like this is something um, engraved in our culture. Mm-hmm. And, and we all work towards that goal, the quality of the education we are uh, providing our students. The whole team um, believes in that mission. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say people who are not on the same page um, with us there, don't stick around for much long uh, because it's it it takes a lot of hard work. Yes, um, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of sweat and tears, but also really, um, um, and like um, a sense of accomplishment and a sense of purpose when students come back to you and say um, thank you and. Um, you you asked is that um, we got an email today from one of our previous students. He was actually uh, from Brazil, and um, he just emailed us to say thank you to Isla because um, the skills he gained while learning at our school last year helped him get promoted in his job. Oh, um, wonderful! To, uh, yes. To, uh, yeah. And he was like, "I'm I'm thanking those who helped me along the way, and I couldn't not thank you." Uh, for your support mm, absolutely so I um word you put in there keyword quality mm-hmm. uh, now I'd like to know since you have what is unique what is quality mm-hmm. what's your staffing like where do you get them what do you require of them who are they so per accreditation uh, our staff needs to be uh um, certified to teach English as a second language, um, or they should have um, relevant experience in the field of teaching English as a second language, mm-hmm. like a master's in TESOL or a certificate in TESOL are, um, um, are um, like at least a certificate in TESOL is required uh, from our uh, staff. Mm-hmm. And um, it is interesting that you asked this because while we have teachers with master's in TESOL and teachers who um, graduated um, college uh, with degrees in teaching English as a second language. Mm-hmm. We also have teachers who decided um, med careers or after they retired from uh, their original career that they wanted to actually switch and teach. And what, because um, 
hours are flexible. Our hours are, um, we, we, we don't have like eight hour days. Our classes can be, like our teachers can teach anywhere from like two hours a day to five hours per day. Um, so it's, it can be a bit of, um, uh, it's a part, like it can be a part-time schedule for those teachers who want a part-time schedule. So we have, I would say, um, three to four teachers among our staff who um, decided midway or like after retirement that they wanted to teach English as a second language. Um, they went and got their certification in that and applied to ILA. Um, one of our teachers now uh, said that he looked into schools. He looked at ILA. He saw what's required for a teacher. Mm-hmm. He went, he got his certificate and he called us on the same day. He got that certificate and asked, can I apply? And he's been <laughs> with us for like two years now. That has got to feel good. That speaks volumes yeah. to your program. Why don't you yeah. tell us, tell the audience, tell me uh, mm-hmm. one well, I think you've already done the first thing I was going to ask is share some major blessings, but I also want you to share some major challenges to your dream. Uh, the uh, How to keep going. Okay. It's really tough. Um, it's something that keeps me up at night. It's something that um, because you can never there is an uncertainty in the market in any in any industry there is some sense of uncertainty and any changes um and the outside factors can impact you significantly yes um um there was a change in the uh let's say political atmosphere in the US a few years ago and that impacted international education mm-hmm. in a very negative way and our numbers students enrollment numbers dropped like dropped um because there was um because of outside factor it was it had nothing to do with ila it's just like the environment around us and that what actually pushed us to um to look into uh, to be resourceful and diversify our offerings and that was the um the spark that led us to um, look into our community and the needs in the community. Mm-hmm. But the challenge is, is really how to keep going. It is, um, it's hard. It's, the responsibility is huge. Um, you have a school, like there's, like you have staff, you have teachers, you have students, and uh, the ability to provide them with service um, that's going to be um, like good enough, uh, maintaining our partnerships maintaining our quality of education, maintaining our name in the industry mm-hmm. is tough. And I wish it's all things I can control. I came to the realization that um, I can control some of that, but uh, many of the external factors are things outside of my control. I just need to work, be prepared, and uh, do my best in addressing those uh, challenges. I... Um... I want to applaud you for that. I, when you were talking about things you cannot control, right at, in my head went to COVID. How did you manage those years where we were yeah. sequestered? Yeah. <laughs> that was the most, uh, uh, that was the ultimate test, I would say, um, because it was either going to make us or break us uh, mm-hmm. for real. Uh, um, so with COVID, we saw it coming. And, um, we we so um online learning was something that we wanted to explore but it was always um on the back burner we were like okay not now not now 
Um, we, we're busy with other programs now. Online is not our priority. But we started um, before COVID. We started to like we 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 believe in innovation. We believe in the importance of being up to date, giving our students the best um, tools available for their learning. So having, for example, a learning management system that students, our students, can access their grades online, their syllabus, their coursework online was something that we believed in, and it was implemented long before COVID. Good, uh, we excellent. Our Yep, we upgraded our books, our um, course material to editions that have online resources and online edition as well, in addition to the physical copies of uh, the books we have. So we had some backbone, I would say. Then when the news about COVID started to spread, I remember that it started in February of 2020 um, and we, we, we felt the wave moving. Um, actually, we um, I formed a, a core committee, I would say, or a core group. It had me and two other people. Uh, we called ourselves uh, Battle Buddies. Um, we we actually started working on plans A, B, and C. What are we going to do if a total shutdown? Um, if it was like if teachers were able to come to Isla, if no one was able to come to Isla, and we came up with multiple scenarios. We looked into different online platform um, softwares. We looked into training time for each of those softwares and how we can get our students up to speed and our teachers up to speed. You're talking about like some of our teachers where um, technology was really challenging. Using a PowerPoint was a challenge for some of our teachers um, using a projector, let alone um, teaching a class online. So that's where we started. We started on creating a plan for operation. And I remember uh, that second week of March, uh, when you things are going to shut down. Um, I, I remember March 13 or 14 was um, the last day we had in-person classes at Isla. I went to each classroom and I said, um, I can't tell you what's going to happen next week, but I know things are changing, but we are prepared. You know what, I want, I want you to stop with that word only because yeah. I'm a slave to the clock, which you know. But yes. two things, really quickly, tell people if they want to continue the conversation before you come back for your next interview, how do they reach you? Quickly tell them that. Um, I can be reached by email at Dana, D-A-N-A, at I-L, as in Larry, A, dot E-D-U. Wonderful. Um, now I got all excited and I thought, why is it that this show is so short? But I wanted to make sure that you got a chance to read your letter. Would you do that for me? Absolutely. Yes. Give me a second. Okay. Sure. All right. Okay. I'm ready. You may begin. So, Dear young Dana, as I sat down to write to you, my younger self, I'm filled with a mix of nostalgia, nostalgia, gratitude, and I wish I'm able to share this with you right then and there, when you had your doubts and hard to get through days. The path ahead will not always be smooth, but every twist and turn plays a crucial role in shaping the person you are to become. Embrace both the triumphs and the challenges, for they are the building blocks of what is to come. Life will take some interesting turns, Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Trust in yourself and always work hard for your goals. In a word, 
full of choices. Trust your gut. Believe in yourself and go ahead with your dreams. Mm-hmm. You are brave, braver than you think, even if you don't see it now, even if you are full of doubts and worries. Keep going and keep pushing and remember that you have the courage to get through. In a world that often demands perfection, remember that it's okay not to have everything figured out. You are a work in progress and that's a beautiful thing. Be kind to yourself, celebrate your successes and learn from your failures. They are stepping stones, not stumbling blocks. In a world that is so busy and loud, remember to slow down and cherish the little things. Enjoy what you have in hand, go on long walks, read a book, take a deep breath and Mm. recharge. The days are long, but the years are fast. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, You know what? um, mm -hmm. I am so glad we did this. Um, It sounds like more. I hope you can fit me in before the next four years because there's so much more I want to talk about. And perhaps we could even bring one of your staff members or a student to come to talk with you. Would that be okay? Yes. Of course, this hour flew by, that's for sure. I would love it. I would love it. I want to do uh, my spiritual doggy bag, which I tend to do for people who are spending the week doing all the things they must do, and they stop and they go, you know what, is this all there is? Or maybe they say, I am tired of being tired. Or maybe they say... Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry to, uh, but this takes me to one thing that I I did not have time to share with you. Oh, that was actually the ending of my letter. Oh, I'm so sorry, the, sweetheart. Go ahead. No, 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 no. That was the ending of the letter because it ties uh, perfectly with what you just said. Oh. Is believe in yourself, work hard, be thankful for what you have and what you don't have, and always remember what God said in the Quran: We will not waste the reward of those who work righteousness. That's it. Everyone who works hard will be rewarded at the end. That's a promise from God. And it is. It is. It's truth. Uh, Mm -hmm. I wanted to um, kind of focus on the way we started. You know, we were talking about the global unrest and everything. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to uh, lend a perspective about the peace that lives within us to balance Mm -hmm. that which is not available to us from the outside. I'm borrowing or quoting some words from one of our life coaches. Iana Bonsant offers a starting point for preventing wars is by understanding and discovering personal inner peace. And she suggests that we will know peace when we reclaim the pieces of ourselves we have somehow let go of in the process of life. And I quote, if you can't seem to get it together, it may be that you have given too much of yourself away. It may be that you have compromised, overcompensated, given in and given over so much of yourself that you don't know where all the pieces have scattered. Perhaps Mm -hmm. the things you thought of you need to get to love to experience yourself as lovable, to be acknowledged, to be accepted, to increase your value and to establish your worth have left you splintered, shattered, and broken into so many pieces you feel like you'll never pull yourself together. Don't worry. There's always a way to pull yourself back together. 
You must examine all the times you gave others the right to make your decisions when you expected others to do for you what only you have the power to do. You gave others the right to decide your destiny and when you dishonored yourself in order to please others. When you remember what you have done, forgive yourself. Most importantly, just say, never again. Then, my thoughts are, you must understand, you are amazing just as you are. You are stronger than you feel, smarter than you know, more beautiful than you believe, and more loved than you can ever imagine. Treat yourself like someone you love. You've been listening to Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. on Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia. My guest this week, my delightful guest, has been Miss Dana Say, founder and director of the International Language Academy of Washington, D.C. Until next time, this is Tyra. I am here and I am listening. I love you. Thank you, Tyra.